You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Yes, welcome again for another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you no matter where you are around this world of ours. Today we're talking about a very particular program, all about statistics, sustainability, systems thinking, and STEM. It's all about preparing for Industry 5.0 and beyond since COVID-19. And today we're hanging out with two people who very much know about STEM, statistics, sustainability, and systems thinking very much so. Emeritus Professor Tim Roberts and Professor Peter Howley. They are both national and internationally award-winning leaders in education and practitioners in statistics and STEM, and they very much know their way around this. Today we get to hear about all about their project, which is Commonwealth funded. And uh, you get to find out how you can get involved, but also what is available and the way they think when it comes to what is Industry 5.0, how might we start thinking about systems thinking when it comes to STEM and all these different programs? We talk about issues that have been going on overseas and so much more. So without further ado, let's talk about statistics, sustainability, systems thinking and STEM. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. Great to be here, Ben. Yeah, terrific to be here. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I only just hung out with uh, Peter only recently talking about the poster competition. But this is different, is very much the case. And uh, Tim, glad to have you. I understand that you have quite the touring schedule, from what I understand, as we talked prior to going live. Yeah, that's for sure. And thanks to the government, really, it's come up with a fantastic scheme called the New Colombo Plan, which sends undergraduate students out into Asia for uh, two-week stints uh, or longer. And I've had the pleasure of leading now five uh, trips into Borneo and Sulawesi. I've just got back and I've got to go to Borneo with another 16 students midway through November. Uh, Fantastic scheme though to grow relationships between uh, young people in Indonesia, in my case, and Australia. Fantastic. What an amazing opportunity. I always love where STEM takes us. It's awesome. Um, Now I understand like uh, you guys are involved in lots of stuff and one of the things is this program that comes out of the Hunter. So I thought actually, Peter, could you tell us a bit about what that is all about? Yeah, thanks. Um, It's called Preparing for Industry 5.0 and Beyond, Facilitating the Cradle to Career Lifecycle. So it's a a free online national initiative available to all primary and secondary school educators and students. Uh, And it's thanks to a a Commonwealth Government Department of Education Emerging Priorities Program grant, uh, and also the Hunter Innovation and Science Hub, which Tim's the president of, and and I'm vice president. Uh, I mean, in overview, it's essentially... We have these four S's, the uh, statistics, sustainability, systems thinking, and STEM, uh, and they're critical to Industry 5.0. For those unfamiliar, Industry 5.0, I guess, complements the fourth industrial revolution and STEM focus, and it really highlights research and innovation as the drivers for our transition to a sustainable, human-centric, and resilient industry landscape. And of course, the future workforce, those at school, are going to be coming into uh, this space 
And so it's important that we bring, I guess, the practice of uh, an understanding of these four S's in this case uh, to students so and also for educators. And so we run, I guess, four things. One is teacher professional development workshops. The second is student workshops. In both of those, Tim and I remote in and we do interactive uh, presentations. Uh, and then the other two are national competitions for students where they get to actually apply these uh, ideas and uh, they get to do so through the mini solar vehicle competition online and also the national schools poster competition. Oh, that's a lot to uh, take on board and uh, really uh, quite fascinating trying to mesh statistics, sustainability, system thinking and STEM together. I mean, that's some big concepts, and especially in an online workshop environment. Tim, how do you go about getting students to understand how this all meshes together as we think about Industry 5.0? Well, I think it's just a question of trying to sell a message that what we want to happen in on this earth is we want to be a sustainable uh, society and uh, we want to have a sustainable economy. And Industry 5.0, the dream is that... Uh, Industry is going to look after the environment. Industry is going to look after the worker. And uh, with all of the all of the joys that artificial intelligence brings, life's going to be much better and much more sustainable. And I guess uh, what I'm trying to do is just to sell sustainability to uh, school teachers in a way that lets them let them get hands on because I think to to learn anything you've got to get your hands into it. And Ben, what you're doing with physics education is fantastic. Uh, what I saw in the Hunter Valley, you, you know, you've got you've got interaction, uh, touching, feeling, listening, all of those things which are vital. And that's that's I guess the message I see. I mean, we want teachers to have a better understanding of statistics because statistics are vital to where we're going but we also want them to understand that really a sustainable future is like a fried egg on a plate if you look at a fried egg on a plate there's three circles there's the yolk the white and the plate itself and in fact that's what we need we need an economy that is the yolk it just sits there happily on the white of the egg, which is society. And that sits in on the plate, doesn't spill over the plate. And that is the environment we want to leave to our grandkids. And to me, that's the simple message. Um, my background uh, is that I've always been interested in, in bringing an understanding of science to to particularly my children that started, but also the communities. So I built our hands-on science centre at Newcastle. We were the second one open after Questacon in Canberra. Um, and what we're doing with the Hunter Innovation and Science Hub is just a science communication to try and get people to understand more. And then Peter and I had the joy of getting this... Um, this grant from the Department of Education in Canberra. And now, you know, we gave a seminar last night, uh, night before, I mean, and we had uh, teachers from Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria listening to us. And 
that was, that was fantastic. So yeah, using all these modern media techniques to sell the fried egg on the plate, really. <laughs> Ben definitely considering uh, the mathematics background. I like the fried egg idea though. I mean, actually, what, you, what you're describing is there, Tim, reminds me of the work being done by a group. It's a nonprofit group called B Corp. And the B Corp, uh, it's like a rubber stamp, so to speak, but more than just a peripheral thing, whereby um, it's certification, whereby organizations of a variety of different sizes Explore, expose what they really do from a sustainability standpoint. How do they look after their people? Because guess what? That's part of sustainability. And um, I really think it's just good management practice to look after the environment that you work in. Like I had a good chat with um, you know, on, on a different podcast uh, this week with uh, Jenny Hughes, who's actually involved with um, Cotton Australia. And they're looking at how um, right. cotton education, getting kids into sustainable, sustainable agriculture and all that sort of thing. And me from a background of graziers, we think about how we look after our land and have done for a very long time. It makes no sense in any way to degrade the place that you're working in. And that means it doesn't matter if you're running a any form of industry, having something that's sustainable is frankly good sense. And we're good. it's moralistic. It's a good thing to look after your people too. Um, this is fantastic. So how does this weave in? So you mentioned there was a mini solar car challenge. So Peter, how does that work? Yeah, so um, there's these mini solar vehicle kits. Uh, so they're about, I think, 30 centimetres by 20 centimetres when built. Um, so they're not that many. Uh, but basically, it allows uh, students to, again, get hands on and start to think about connecting different parts and then ultimately trying to create uh, the fastest of the mini solar vehicles. And so there are many options in these kits, uh, obviously, where you put the axles, how many axles you might use, uh, even the size of the wheels and number of wheels. Uh, and you can also use 3D printing for making other options as well. Um, it's all part of getting students to think about how am I going to make this the fastest of the mini solar vehicles? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, mass is one thing that there's power output and all the rest. And uh, gosh, I mean, you could, you could really, if you, I mean, you can get off the shelf parts. That is true. I mean, you could even challenge kids to wind their own motors. Who knows? <laughs> After them, but it's a bit, a bit of work. I'm just thinking, um, uh, Tim, where did the Hunter Innovation Science Hub start? Was it done through the initial grant? The reason why I'm asking this is um, there are people around the country who have aspirations towards creating a STEM space in some way. But there are different ways to, let's work with the eggs analogy, slice the egg. <laughs> there are different ways to make this happen. How did HISH, Hunter Innovation Science Hub, come about? Yeah, the key to that is the hub and uh, Inspiring Australia in Canberra uh, gave money to each state to try and interest a community in STEM. And this was probably a decade ago almost. Mm. And this, the slab of money that came to New South Wales is administered through uh, staff they employed uh, at the University of Sydney. And uh, the plan they had was to set up a number of hubs across New South Wales. And so we were the hunter, a science hub. Um, we stuck innovation in our name because we thought it was important. It, we, it ran out of the University of Newcastle for a, a number of years and then um, 
due to administrative um, uh, difficulties, if you like, uh, we decided to go independently. And so we represent um, probably about 30 different organisations and people in, in the Hunter region who are interested in science communication. And so uh, we became an incorporated association and since then we've become a charity and um, uh, we've started applying for grants and we have a number of grants related to uh, STEM related to bushfires as well as this one, as well as uh, young space explorers going on because our treasurer is a uh, firebrand called Scott Sleep, and he's into uh, into more things than I can keep track of. But generally, uh, that's us. So we've got um, about, as I said, thirty or forty members, and we we get most active round about National Science Week, and we put a whole lot of stuff on for the Hunter region. National Science Week, but it grew out of a sensible government initiative. I mean, uh, I imagine somebody like physics education grew out of the mind of Ben Newsom, but at the end mm. of the day, you've all you've just got to have some seed funding or you've got to have you've got to have funding to uh, grow ideas. And oh, yeah. I'm so pleased that the federal government um, decades ago at least put money into community awareness about STEM. Yeah. And what you've done together as a team is incredibly powerful and actually taking that step beyond going past the seed funding. Because I've seen a lot of different initiatives grow up and I bet you guys too have as well. You see a lot of these ideas come up because they get one one little bit of funding and then whatever the projects that they're going to do runs out then it hits at the end, they do their report and then nothing sure. happens next. Yeah. And it happens so often. And I love that you guys are taking the initiative um, to take it further. And you're right about the, the seed funding. I mean, even I think about physics, gosh, in 2004, that required a little bit of help from as usual, uh, what they call family, fools and friends. <laughs> so so we, we, we did uh, one of our families uh, drop it, drop a little bit of cash in to start. And it was not much. So if you're listening in and you're wondering how about you can go about setting up a STEM initiative, it does not take a huge amount of money if you think about it. What it does take is drive. Yeah. Fire in the belly. That's what it takes. Mm. Uh, you've got to have fire in the belly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so with these challenges and all these different things that Hitch is involved in, um, including um, you know getting Industry 5.0 going into the, the schools themselves, is this something that schools can drop into at any time, or are they discrete amounts of time that they you know they need to apply or all that sort of thing? How's it all work? I think Peter will answer that one better than me. Yeah. So it's a mix. Um, obviously, the the one that we're speaking more on today is for 2023 only the free mm -hmm. um, initiative uh, but then yes schools can always uh, opt in and and become uh, a member of the hish the hunter innovation and science hub uh, and get involved in the many activities that do occur throughout because hish as tim alluded to there is a hub and so it's also identifying what else is happening, what other uh, organisations might be doing. And it doesn't really just um, only focus on the hunter. It pretty much goes national. Um, and so, yeah, that's a way of, I guess, teachers being able to find out what are the opportunities uh, throughout the year as well. So just coming to the HISH website, which is 
uh, hish, au. And uh, definitely everyone can also look up that particular program. So just type S four times. So four S's.org.au. One of the bylines of that program is facilitating the cradle to career life cycle. So cradle to career life cycle. In the best practice blue sky world, what would that look like, Peter? Like if we, if we were able to do like, you know, money on high, time on hand, resources available, everything's perfect. What would a cradle to career life cycle look like in the best world? So look, the, the terminology is, I guess, with most things, you want to have a clear aim or intention there. Mm-hmm. And so this is A, it's facilitating. It isn't meaning that you're going to be uh, for in, in making people uh, aware of things through you actually espousing certain things. You're facilitating. That's one of the key things that teachers can get from this. They don't have to know all the answers. Uh, the other is... Uh, that yes, it's usually cradle to grave that people speak of, um, but we want to be thinking about career. And I guess we use career because of the alliteration cradle to career. It isn't just about career. It's about being in a society or a community and uh, being able to feel as though you're uh, adding, contributing and so forth. But with the fixation on the future workforce as well, and obviously STEM, it made sense to talk about from when we are born through to what we will ultimately usually uh, evolve to, which is a, a career. And so um, through uh, this initiative, we're trying to help with establishing those uh, future workforce needs. Uh, and and they're all the things that are talked about in the national curriculum. So it's very much aligns with helping the national curriculum, but also about f- uh, filling those gaps, which the World Economic Forum and, and others and PwC and so forth um, reports have spoken about over the years. That is about that we have this sort of siloed uh, learning practices and that we need to overcome them and cross those usual silos and, and have those cross-functional skills and such. And so all of those elements are what we're trying to succinctly, I guess, characterise in uh, that that phrase of facilitating that uh, journey through to ultimately career, community and, and contributing to society. G'day, it's Ben here. I hope you're enjoying this particular chat. And guess what? There's so much more you can do with your science teaching. Head on over to physicseducation.com.au. There are complete and comprehensive teaching units that you can get your hands on. If you click on the top, you will find there are a whole bunch of scope and sequences, cross-curricular teaching ideas, hundreds of printable experiments and activities, videos, risk assessments, marking rubrics, you name it. It's all there and it's all linked to the curriculum and it's something that you can implement right now. Head on over to physicseducation.com.au and check out what's on offer. Yeah, I think about... um students i mean all of us were once uh, high school students once um i mean initially you're just trying to get through your exams and whatnot and you've got no idea where you want to go into and you fall into different things mm-hmm. i feel it'd be really handy i mean i've seen a lot of entrepreneurship things come up and various different stem pro stem accelerators so to speak for kids what seems to i feel and this is just talking off the top of my head because it's just how we roll <laughs> just what seems to be missing is the the um the students is almost teach them to identify opportunity because I mean there's a lot of spoon feeding or there's just pure sliding door chances that there happens to be I don't know the mining sector nearby so I'm just going to work to the mines because it's an easy job but when kids can see a gap and it doesn't necessarily have to be a gap in the market it can just be a need and they can see how they can apply their skills in a different way to fill that need that's got to benefit society 
it's got to be how we address it would be another thing. But I kind of wonder how are your guys' thoughts around the trying to get students to see that the world isn't preordained, that they can actually do this themselves. I mean, what are your thoughts of that, Tim? It's a bit of a big, big question there as I ramble on there. Well, I, I just think that uh, it's important to give the message that most of us still don't know what we would really like to do. From my point of view, I'm heading into uh, the late 70s and uh, I keep changing what I'm doing and I keep uh, learning more. I learned more about soil liquefaction in uh, uh, in Sulawesi last week where I was standing next to a tree and this tree had moved a kilometre. Wow. Because the soil underneath had liquefied, but the tree was fine, as was the mosque that had also moved a kilometre. No cracks? And, and, and No cracks, no. <laughs> the whole thing had moved. And uh, um, the biggest conundrum there is, well, who owns a tree? You know, the guy whose family planted the tree, but it's not on his land anymore. It's a kilometre away, where, which is somebody else's land. And so there's, there's so much that there is to learn that I think the, the thing to do is to inspire that interest in, in learning and in, in just uh, following your nose. I... I agree with you that if the biggest source of employment is a mine next door, then a lot of people are, are, are going there. Mm. I think the, the shame in our society is that we say, if you get 99.99 in the HSC, uh, yes, you can get into law at Sydney University, but at the end of the day, the bulk of people in law at Sydney University are bored uh, I was going to say shitless, but uh, <laughs> you know they last they last uh, five years at law, and then they want to do something else. I mean, what it is is we have to inspire a difference. And what I think is my success in these seminars that we're giving is trying to give teachers some way of capturing the kids to get excited so for instance talking about climate change yeah we, we can talk about climate change but bringing in the uh, the climate change dogs that uh, were invented in uh, Melbourne little cartoon dogs about the El Nino and and and, and the southern oscillation and so on uh, talking about carbon in the soil and the fact that Strzelecki in 1848 showed we had more carbon in the soil than we've got now and then getting the teachers are then saying oh well how can we measure the carbon in the soil in the schoolyard you know and immediately they're inspired to go forward and the kids might be inspired to go forward and just by by getting year 10 kids who are difficult, uh, for instance, or year nine kids who are difficult to actually build a little solar car um, mm. and, 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 and learn that you change the polarity of the wires and the engine goes backwards and, and all these simple things. But 
a bit of competition. Uh, so they build a car, check it somebody else's car. Then hopefully you've got them thinking about where to go, what to do. Oh, for sure. As he was describing uh, year 10 or year nine students who are difficult, it reminded me of a conversation I had a week ago with a good friend of mine from Indianapolis who is not a STEM person. He's a, he's a cinematographer, a videographer, teaches kids film. And um, so he was describing how he was teaching these kids who really honestly just wanted to fight in the schoolyards. That's just what was going on. And he said, you know what? It's, it, you know, love his work. He said, what if we actually make a little boxing ring, but not for you, for little robots? <laughs> so you got these kids filming because the guy's a film um, educator. They created these like, you know, little two minute segments of fighting robots. And all of a sudden these kids weren't fighting anymore. They just wanted the blue robot to beat the red robot. <laughs> it was just a really fun way. And you can imagine if that was teamed with a STEM teacher, Mm-hmm. Going, you know, let's build these robots that are going to fight each other. So all of a sudden you get rid of this playground nonsense that's happening and yes. <laughs> you got them directed their energy a little bit. Yeah, that's uh, terrific. I mean, both what you and Tim are pointing out there is that question of what's next. And some students perhaps have thoughts of where they want to go and others perhaps don't realise what they could be doing or achieving. Yeah. And so a big part of that, as you pointed out with the robots, is bringing forth this example of, I guess, connecting with what they're interested in, uh, but then taking it in a direction that will actually add to what they might have uh, might have otherwise thought. And so I guess a large part of what we're doing is preparing people for opportunities that will exist, making them ready to be open for opportunities, because it is difficult to, to know what is available and out there. Um, and I guess a part of Tim and I, we're both practitioners and so bringing that to the school uh, area is is going to be uh, opening their eyes to things that you know, we all have our feelings about what statistics is or even systems thinking or even sustainability and, and STEM. But do we all have that common deep understanding of what it is or is it perhaps not quite and you're missing out on opportunities because you have this incorrect perhaps perception? And so opening up those opportunities and doing it in a way that doesn't necessarily point out that this is statistics or this is sustainability uh, or STEM, but doing it in a way that just naturally builds upon their interests. Um, that's what we're mainly focused on doing. And as we think about the project you're involved in right now, so preparing for Industry 5.0 and beyond, there would be some people listening to this who are not in Australia or may not have capacity to be involved in this project in its current form. If you were able to give some advice to those teachers who want kids to really get their head around statistics, sustainability, system thinking, and STEM, how might they begin to prepare their students for Industry 5.0? Because it's coming, and there'll be 6.0, 7.0, and I don't know, (laughs) and all the rest. But how do we get to uh, these students that your project may not be able to reach because of where they are? I mean, what what are your thoughts? I might just ask both of you. So, Peter, what do you think? So... I guess, first of all, teachers have a lot on their plate. And so they tend to want something that's been well vetted. um, And so is going to help them to take that journey. Then there's others who actually do want to do the research themselves and look around to see what's best for their particular um, context. I think it's a a mix of uh, connecting with those who have been involved in this. So always reach out to Tim or I, you're welcome to, um, wherever you are around the world. Um, I mean, in fact, we're looking at trying to be able to take this uh, particular project to Africa um, in future 
um, through looking at what sort of grants might be uh, possible uh, in that realm. So it is a matter of reaching out to those who already have things established, see what's freely available, uh, and then you'll get it to a level where you just think, do I want to take the next step as well? Yeah, awesome. Tim, what do you reckon, mate? Well, I think that it's it's an offer to anybody listening that we'd be more than happy to talk with you. I have just been in Sulawesi, and one of the things I talk about in my seminar to teachers here is precious plastic, uh, trying to get the plastic uh, uh, pathway from being linear to ending up on the beach uh, and the sea to being a circular economy. And there's this mob called Precious Plastic who've who've done that all around the world, and they've got uh, they've got a recipe book really for what sort of machines you need to chop up the plastic, what sort of machines you need to extrude, and so on, and and uh, where to buy them and and I went to Sulawesi and I gave a couple of lectures over there and we came across a, a NGO of, of five incredibly bright, incredibly uh, well-spoken in English uh, young people who were university students who set up this NGO to try and straighten up their city because there are big problems in the city. Uh, because mercury is being used by the villagers to extract gold from the rocks. And of course, uh, there's mercury contamination everywhere, very dangerous stuff. And, and so these kids, uh, I was talking to them and I, I suggested, what about you have a look at this uh, precious plastic lot? And suddenly they, their eyes lit up and they are going to start a circular economy with plastic there in Palu. And to my mind, that's, that's really what we're trying to do is just to uh, be a resource for anybody who wants to, uh, to talk about what gives us fire in the belly, really. No, I agree. And then the thing about it, there's so much opportunity. I mean, we can look at the transactional side, which is simply the dollars that are being left behind as we throw stuff away. We can look at the environmental side because that stuff going into the world becomes microplastics and everything else mm -hmm. that we do not need. And there's just good sense. <laughs> it just is. Uh, so as you talk about resources, uh, Peter, what is the website that people must go to to find out more information? Uh, yeah, so www.sss, so four s's, .org.au. Easy. Easy, easy. all there. All there. Look, well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for uh, hanging out with me on this morning. And um, really hope that uh, if you're listening on in that you can get involved uh, in some way, shape, or form. Go check out the website, a whole bunch of S's. Just type it into Google. You'll probably find it. Um, and um, learn about how you can get involved and maybe may create the fastest solar vehicle or maybe create something awesome that others can then implement in their community. Look, thank you very much, guys. And, Thanks, uh, Ben. Bye-bye. Fantastic time. Thanks Bye -bye. so much, Ben. Cheers. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Emeritus Professor Tim Roberts AM and Professor Peter Howley. There's some 
really interesting idea about thinking about what systems thinking is and what Industry 5.0 might mean to us as we move into the future years. Look, go onto their website, go onto sss.org.au, so four s's.org.au, find out all about the project and find out how you might get involved. You can register for free and it's well worth your time. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast yet again. You've been listening to me. Ben Newsom from Physics Education, and this is the Physics Ed Podcast, and I hope to catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed Podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book, and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au